You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your co-host, Brandon Ware, here with my lovely other half, Dr. Jess. Hey, hey. How's it going? Good, good. I'm, I'm digging the sound of your voice because I'm an audio person and... Uh, folks who know my co-author, Marla Renee Stewart, she talks about the fact that your learning style, whether you're more of a visual learner or an audio learner or a kinesthetic learner, affects your sexual and seduction style. And so people who learn better by listening and through words and through reading tend to be really drawn to sounds and voices, the pitch, the tone, the volume, the speed at which you speak, and I'm I'm such an audio person. I love the sound of your voice. First of all, I I, I find it hot. Like I'm I'm probably more attracted to people based on the way they talk than the way they look. You've always said that. You've always said that the sound of someone's voice is the first thing that attracts you to somebody. It, it really is, and I recognize voices more than faces. I I don't know if I've spoken about this here before, but. I have difficult difficulty recognizing faces, so much so that I, I think I might be able to be diagnosed because I really, really struggle to recognize faces. I remember names. I remember details. I'll even remember the sound of a voice, but I, I struggle with faces. I've mistaken you for multiple people. No, oh. I've, I've mistaken other people for you in the past, so it's it's all about the voice for me, and so that makes me excited to bring on our new sponsor, Femtasy. So Femtasy is this streaming platform that has short, erotic audio stories. And they're read by different voice, I don't want to call them actors, they're read by different people, different themes. They get into like setting the scene, but also into the raw sexual acts and yeah I'm just I'm a, a fan a new fan of Femtasy was really excited when they called because just voices do everything for me not just sexually but emotionally like even to help me relax the sound <laughs> of your voice is really what does it and I wonder if it's been enhanced by the fact that for years we were you know separated oftentimes because I was at overseas for work and you you would talk to me on the phone and so I think that I found a lot of comfort in that but every night <laughs> you use your voice um, to, to help soothe me to sleep. I think my next job will be reading stories for people to fall asleep. Because every night when I, when I tell you some story that I've made up, it takes you 30 seconds for me to calm you down and just help you <laughs> fall right asleep. Yeah, I don't even think you tell a story because you, you feel me like kick. You know when you kick because you've just fallen asleep? The twitch. The twitch. And you're like, oh, I'm done. All I had to do was once upon a time. It always starts with like once upon a time there was an animal. And then one day the animal did something and then I, I fall asleep and after that. by that point I'm just saying words. They don't even make any sense. <laughs> so back to Femtasy. I really uh, encourage people to check them out. Uh, it is all audio, no advertising, no visual, uh, designed, founded by women, for women. But I think people of all genders are couples and couples are going to love it. So instead of fantasy, it's Femtasy. You can check them out. And uh, you can use code Jess if you want a discount, but they also have a, a free trial. So thank you to them for, for their new support. And now we get into the fun stuff because today we have a really exciting guest. I mean, all of our guests are incredible, but 
this this one's like a little extra special to me. Jeannie Mai, host of the daytime talk show The Real, who's very funny, very real, very raw, and also the host of the Listen Honey podcast, is here to join us. All right, welcome. We're so excited to have you. So excited for your engagement. Big congrats your way. Thank you. You know, uh, it's really obvious that you're madly in love. So share that secret sauce. Share the love. What is the secret of this happy relationship? The secret is being grown. It's being a grown up. In a, I mean that in so many facets of the word. So being grown for me means that you are self-aware that you know what your challenges are, you know what your strengths are, you know what your worth is, but you also know what your triggers are. Like you can actually have a relationship where you say early on like, so here are a couple of things that I'm still working on, I may not have the best reactions to, but if you could help me to just be sensitive around those areas, we're good. And to ask that in return, what are your triggers? You know, for me and and, and uh, my relationship now, Jay, you know, I, I didn't realize that walking away can be seemed really rude to some people. For me, I was taught in my early years that if you walk away from a problem, that's when you're like, okay, I, I don't wanna engage anymore, I'm walking away, like a fight. You know, like your teachers tell you, walk away, walk away, don't get into a fight. So I thought that, but for him, that's a trigger. That's very, very rude and disrespectful for him. And if I walked away, he's kind of like, okay, now you've just took this to level 10 because you won't finish this with me and you won't give me the respect to have this conversation with me. Am I hitting, I'm, I'm hitting it too close on the, on the head over That's here it. for you. That's it for me. That's you. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, it, it, if you, I agree with you that if you, if somebody walks away, it really is a, a symbol that you just don't want to deal with it. You don't want anything to do. And it, and it does, it's a trigger. It takes it to the next level. It's just, it, to me, it's, it's, a degree of disrespect. That's how I interpret it. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, that's just one example of knowing what your triggers are so that you can set the other person up to win, right? You've heard the analogy that if you're really on a team, you should always be on the same side of the court, right? It's you against them. The second it's you against each other, then you guys have lost. So for us, it's always us against the problem. It's us against the outside public. It's us against you know, and it doesn't always, it doesn't mean that it has to be anim, animosity. It just means that it has to be, we're aligned. We're on the same unit. We got each other's back. You, you can rest and sleep well with both eyes closed, knowing that someone loves you as much as you do love yourself too, and that they've got you covered. And what are you pointing at Jess for? I'm just, I'm just pointing at Jess because years ago, she said the same thing. We have to be aligned on these, on these items. And even if we disagree, you can do so uh, you know, we've had disagreements after the fact, but we've confronted it as a unified force. And uh, that was really important. Yeah. And one thing with Brandon, I mean, anyone who listens knows Brandon, but you don't you don't know Brandon. <laughs> I know he has my back. Aww. Like, I know he has my back. No I matter do. what I do, it's been we met when we were kids. Like, it's been, I think, 19 or 20 years we've been living together. And I know ma no matter what, this guy's got my back. Now, you also talk about shared vision. And so what does that mean to you, to have a shared vision? I think having a shared vision means participating in each other's future, in participating in each other's endeavors. 
So I used to be in a relationship where he was great and he was independent and he had her, his dream and I wasn't really a part of it. And, and I, was, I was okay with that. And I had my dream and I was okay with that. But you have to find something that aligns you so that you're both working at it together, learning from it together. You're learning from witnessing the other person taking strides in it and the other person's watching you. Iron sharpens iron. You take things on and one person takes a break and all those things happen. And that's why a lot of couples have kids. And I make, I'm very careful to say, you've gotta have a shared vision, but it doesn't always have to be children. You just have to have some type of purpose together. And it can be business endeavors. It can be both of y'all want to work as hard as you can to eventually build your own house or you know move to a different country or whatever it may be but you've got to see yourself contributing to the bowl together you know and and that can be a very humbling and very uh, sharpening experience and it and it makes you hotter on your partner when you see them working at your goal together with you yeah i feel like am i hitting it on the head again for you guys is this where you guys are at too it's just life's good man and you know you talk about children so we are actually child free and people don't get it because they're like you're madly in love you have this great relationship you have a really nice life Uh, we love kids we're you know i was a teacher we're good with kids kids love me i mean like i try and get away from them and they're always coming toward me but it's something as a woman that i I mean i know you far worse than me because you're far more in the public eye have had to you know defend and explain and i wonder and we actually have not talked about this in in on the podcast when we're going to get to a point where we stop harassing women about how we use our uteruses or uteri is it uteri it's uteri it's uteri <laughs> why are I know. you uterizing us how dare you <laughs> yeah we're Don't not make me feel so uterized <laughs> i mean i've never been asked i've never been asked you know like put pressure on me for when are you having a child when are you doing it like that's just not something that i'm presented with or my worth isn't defined by that yeah but whereas for me it's all you know always about how like life isn't going to com- be complete or I only have so much time or you know I- I'm going to regret it when, when I'm older and and I just keep getting older every year <laughs> and not feeling so much regret you know and I was I also think about just being in the public eye you have to answer all these questions but I do want to ask about your relationship in the public eye because all relationships are challenging even even the happiest ones. And having this public view looking in adds another layer. So what do you wish people knew about celebrity relationships like yours and the pressure of being in the public eye? Like, how can we make it easier for you to just deal with your own life? <laughs> I, I think the first thing we have to do is be extra communicative with our boundaries. We ha- I have to know his boundaries, you know? Um, I have to know what he's caref- careful about. Like, I have a life that's very exposed. I, you know, I, I'm on a daily talk show. We talk about our daily lives. And he's not. He's very private. So even when it comes to down to, say, his, 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 um, his house, you know, I'm really careful about who I bring there. You know, sometimes I have to get glam and made up and... And I'm very, I have to be very trustworthy about who I bring. If I even think that that person's kind of gossipy, I'm not going to bring that person into my loved one's space. You know, so being very acutely aware of his boundaries is important. And these are things he has not told me. This is just things I know. When you see somebody move and you've lived with them, you can see, ah, they're personal about this. And 
I'm not. I notice my house is a swinging door. You know, I have different glam come in all the time. I have different people and friends and, and staff members for my YouTube show and my podcast, but I have to mind that for him. And I think, I, I think he knows that and he respects that and he does the same for me. So you have to protect one another. So then when it comes to media speculation, when you've become this area of security and safety for one another, you really don't care about what other people say because you've already got the best type of protection you have, which is one another. You don't, you don't care about the naysayers because they have no idea what you guys have going on. Because yours is even, it's become innate. It's become, it's become just how you breathe and live for one another. So it's kind of like your kids. If you, if you were a mom, and I'm not one, but I know as a daughter how protective my mom was on me. She had very unorthodox ways of raising me, very anti-Asian. You know, I was coloring my hair and perming it at three years old. I was wearing full-blown makeup, foundation and everything when I was five. And I was playing. I was very, very comfortable with my femininity. And other people would say, oh, my God, she's wearing makeup too early. She's going to become a whore. And I'm like, what's wrong with that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I was like, hey, no, seriously. Like, There's some whores in this house. Totally. I mean, like, We're good with there's it. There's nothing that equates being free as a child with becoming a bad human being. And by the way, becoming, you know, um, becoming open sexually does not mean you're also a bad person. So all these things, my mom was very against those type of rules. So again, because she had that safety and she understood her boundaries as a mother, you couldn't tell her shit, you know? And, and I think that that's a cool confidence to have within couples. Well, I've seen your mom and I see that your mom has her own fan base now and she's not going to let you get away with not knowing it. <laughs> and you have, a re you have a really special relationship with her too. I really sit in, in admiration of that. And you have, you've talked about the fact that you didn't talk for so many years. So I wanted to ask you about, um, not about that specifically, people can go watch the Hello Honey YouTube channel and, you know, check that out. Be sure to do that. But forgiveness you made a list in one of your youtube videos of all the things you wanted in a relationship that have all that you have now so this was prior to you know finding yeah, what you found every single one i love it and one of that one of the items on that list was the capacity to forgive and that's a skill that you have um why is forgiveness so important and how do you even begin to f begin to forgive when you're hurting right Forgiveness is so underrated. It's the ultimate end all be all. It really is. I think there's a reason why even if you're Christian, you know, and you look into the story of Jesus, his ultimate challenge was to forgive the people that did him the most wrong. People that scorned him, burnt him at the, tor uh, at the cross, you know, lied in his face. And in real life, we as human beings, we find it Forgiveness can be the hardest thing. People will die with their hands clutched around their hearts, you know? People will die with their, hard, their hearts hardened from resentment and bitterness. They'll choose that because forgiveness is that hard. But for me, what I've learned, and it did take me years. We're not talking about like 10 years, 20 years. I mean, it took me like 30 years. Um, but it, it, forgiveness made me free. I'm not thinking about freeing the other person who felt so bad for having wronged me. It made me free to get into that genuine point where you're like, you know what? You don't equal my happiness. Your situation and that memory with you does not equal my life and my pain and my suffering. If I'm going to write a story about my pain and suffering, it's not going to have your name in it. That's too easy. 
It's going to be about real things that I let myself down on. And part of that would be not forgiving you. If I don't forgive somebody, that's letting myself down. That's spending one ounce of my energy somewhere where it doesn't deserve. So when you really look at that, again, going back to what your self-worth is, if you really worthy yourself and you really see all of the atoms that make you who you are with your dream and your insight and your capabilities, nobody, not even one bad memory, not one bad ex, not one traumatic experience can hold that down. So you really have to understand that and see it. And when it pops, you take off, your wings soar, you know? And I think, I think there are two parts in life. And I'll use this analogy to kind of explain it, but you know how like when a bird lands on a branch, that bird just kind of like, when it lands on a branch, it's very confident. And it just, it'll perch there for a bit and then it may take off. Now the thing is, that bird doesn't land on the branch because it's confident that the branch isn't gonna let it down. It doesn't even have an idea of where the branch is coming from. It doesn't know if the tree is sturdy. It doesn't even know if that branch could break. But the bird lands there because it's confident in its wings. It knows for damn sure that if that branch breaks, my wings are, I'm good. I'm fine. There's no problem. And I think that's two parts to life. One is pre-branch and then one is post-branch. One is when you are like, okay, is everything okay here? Is this relationship going to be steady? Is he going to stay with me? Um, is this job going to be okay? Um, is this house going to make me finally feel secure? We're so on the branch of these things in life to make sure that we feel confident. But then there's this one day, and, and a lot of times women talk about this being in your 40s, and I think it's because it's that wisdom that, that after getting through a lot of pain and, and um, traumatic things that you're just like, man, you're always going to have these fucking branches. It doesn't matter. It's your wings. But you have to get to that point. I love that. And and you you talk about this like self-love, self-confidence, self-esteem. And I was listening to another of your videos where you talk about the fact that like you are the person you are going to spend the rest of your life with. So I'm going to take the time to love me first. Can you tell us before we let you go, just your journey of self-love? How can people begin to love themselves first? Because sometimes when we're forgiving other people, sometimes we have to forgive ourselves first. I would say the journey to self-love is actually going back to what we just talked about is forgiveness. You have to forgive yourself for any areas of shame. So shame is like the heaviest weighted thing in, in, your, in, your, in your being. And some people are so narcissistic, they can go on, right, not knowing about shame. So the second thing I would say which pertains to them is self-awareness. So number one is forgiving yourself. Um, whether you were mean to yourself as a kid, whether you were judgmental about your body, judgmental about your smarts, any of those things, you have to get to a place where you're like, you know what, I was young, I didn't know. What are you doing about it now? What are you doing about it now to fix those things? Okay, so that's the first step. The second step would be to be self-aware. To be self-aware to say, you know what, I'm not the most confident person. I need to work on my confidence in my thighs. I need to be confident about the money I have in my bank. I need to be confident about the fact that I'm single and I've been single for the last blank years. When you own the shit that hides you, the shit that hides you doesn't own you. And that's the first step to self-confidence and self-love. You're just free about it. And then, here's the great thing. When you're genuinely at that place, your whole aura starts to change and your swag and just the way you carry yourself, it gives off this pheromone that screams at men to be attracted to you. It screams at men because men look at you and they're like, yo, what is up with you, sis? Like, I got to get down. What, what, what do you have? What's going on? They want to be, they want this. Men 
don't fall on insecure women. They prey on insecure women. That's the whole situation that happens sometimes when you see, you know, faulty relationships where they kind of prey on each other because they become codependent. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about when men see a, a dynamic woman who just owns who she is. She's not perfect and she's not confident in all areas, but she just owns it. And that's fun. Guys are about, about vibes. And I think- Yeah, and, and women too. Like I'm, women, I'm yeah. sure the women are, are drawn to you too. Yeah, completely. <laughs> and I love that you're bringing up perfection because, uh, you know, are you hard on yourself? Are you the Am type I? of person that gets motivated because you're hard on yourself? I'm, I'm, I'm hard on myself, yes, but I'm understanding too. And I think like um, Marav, my, my assistant, she would know this side of myself. Like there's parts of me where I'm hard on myself where I'm like, no, I know I could do better than this. This is where I need to be my best and hold me accountable to that. Tell me about these areas so I can show up. And then there's areas where I can be like, you know what, that's not, that's not that important. So I know my priorities. I know where I, I'm like, this is where Jeannie aces. This is where I need to be all me. And then there's areas where I'm like, I'm really okay if somebody else does that. That's not my forte. You know, so you have to have that confidence because otherwise when you're too hard on yourself and you expel that energy to be perfect everywhere, girl, that's tiring. That is so tiring and also immature. Be good at what you're great at and let other people excel at where you don't. Yeah, and you know, you're right that if, if you aim for perfectionism, because we often in the West talk about perfectionism, like it's this great thing we should all be, but it will be the death of you yeah, emotionally, exactly. mentally, uh, spiritually, psychologically, relationally, sexually. There is no perfect. I know, Brandon, you're, you're kind of hard on yourself. So I, I was asking that question for you. How do you be less hard on yourself? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing that you said that resonates with me is being aware. Once you know who you are, you're so much more comfortable. And I think at speaking... Um, from my own experience, I know that that forgiveness element as, as a guy requires vulnerability. And I think that that's not seen as a, a generally in Western society as a positive element. Like, you know, those that are perceived as some degree of weakness in, in letting things go. But like you said, once you've let it go, you're so much more powerful oh yeah. because of that. It's so true. Once you let, and, and that's what you said, again, Self-awareness is everything. Not everybody has it. You've got to have a really good group of friends or family that are truthful with you to tell you, number one. And then number two, you've got to be receiving of it. I, we know narcissism is like the biggest thing that we hear about most people will have, right? You always find out your ex-boyfriend or your ex-girlfriend had was a narcissist. And then you find out later, like, how did I get sucked into that? But if you yourself are open to bettering yourself to the point that you let in just a few people that you trust enough to take their criticism of you with a grain of salt. To not, to not let it beat you up, to not have it change you for the worse, but to actually go, okay, I could see from that. You know, like I have a brother who's very critical of me, very. And I also notice in his daily habits, he's critical about everything. So he might be critical about the food we eat. He might be critical about the restaurant we just went to or the, the book we just read. So I know that that's in his nature. But when we have had, you know, um, like some confrontations, one of the things he said about me is how I can, you know, some, uh, about maybe when I have an argue with him, I can be too meticulous um, about certain words. And I get on him about that, even though maybe he's just saying it to be He's just saying it facetiously, but I'm like, what do you mean exactly by that word, you know? And 
And, and so there, there's things he'll tell me about my habits that I'll take just from that and go, okay, so this is a guy who's very overcritical. But number two, he cares about me. He's my brother. And number three, he's been right about those places. That restaurant wasn't that great, and that book wasn't that great. But it wasn't like it would change. It would ruin my experience. It just tells me, okay, he he knows his stuff. So now that I argue with him, let me just sit back and listen more than to be so meticulous about his choice of words. And then we can get to communicating, resolving faster. You know, so that's an idea of like how I'll take little pieces with a grain of salt. And again, that's also part of that self love for you. Yeah, and that inner circle matters so much. I know you're really close with your family, and I think we're we're lucky if we have that inner circle who will love us up and have our backs, but also call us out. Yeah, and it doesn't always have to be your family. If you don't have family around, you can build that with good, solid friends, but you have to be that for friends first. Don't expect to just have that everywhere you go with, with different random people, but if you offer that, first and foremost, always be the type of friend and the relationship that you would want for yourself, always. And sure, you might get some people who don't appreciate you, but you also might find some lifelong friendships. I love it. I love it. Well, you sound like you're in the best place. I'm so, we're both so happy for you. Thank you for joining us. Now, everyone can find you on your podcast. Listen, honey, and I mean, you're easy to find, obviously. You're on a, on a daily talk show, The Real. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we let you go? Um, I just want to say to the women out there, don't ever let somebody treat you like free salsa. You are guac, baby. Always been guac. <laughs> 75-cent upgrade. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you. Thanks to you too, Brandon. Take care, you guys. Ah, that was great. So thank you so much, Jeannie, for being here. Thank you, you, Brandon, for being here. You couldn't get away. As always, happy to be here. And thanks to you for listening. And, of course, thanks to Femtasy. Be sure to check them out. And if you like this podcast, please follow, subscribe, uh, leave us your feedback. And if you have questions, be sure to reach out wherever you're at. Have a great one. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life. Improve your life.